صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, Rob. How are you? No, so I'm very well, very well indeed. How are you, mate? Yeah, really well, buddy, really well. We've got somebody on the show today that I haven't seen for 10 years. We're joined by journalist, filmmaker, activist, Harry Fear. Good morning, Harry. Nice to speak to you guys. Good morning, afternoon, evening. <laughs> I know, it's, it's great to speak to you. Now, why don't you tell us how you came to Palestine, Harry? Yeah, I mean, it was when I was uh, about 17. I was kind of, you know, politically educating myself, uh, reading progressive uh, magazine in the UK, The New Statesman, and basically only ever read John Pilger's column and then read one or two of John Pilger's books. And Freedom Next Time includes a chapter, at least one chapter on Palestine. <clears throat> and the sheer brutality, um, sort of qualitative horror of the ongoing catastrophe in Palestine really hit me and moved me deeply, not to mention the British history interwoven in it, which adds an additional responsibility, and not to mention the symbolism and the kind of religious connection to the place adds further weight to that, to that place and that horror. So <clears throat> it's something, once the light's gone on, with Palestine as, a, as an injustice, I think it becomes like a litmus test for a lot of us to see how people stand on issues of justice generally. Um, so for me, it's it, just... You? Once you've seen it, you sorry? can't just unsee it. You will, yeah, you, you can't unsee it. And um, I think, you know, on the left, progressive politics across the certainly Anglophone world, you know, if you see someone on the left who, who kind of can't, call Israeli apartheid apartheid you kind of just know that they're just a time-wasting centrist pretending to be a leftist and I think it's one of those things where it kind of is polarizing quite naturally in a sense um, <clears throat> but for me I didn't go into it with a kind of fanaticism against the Israelis I had some uh, Israeli friends when I grew up and went to college um, but just saw them as very nice, normal people. And I had some Arab friends. And then over time, when I was 18, 19, 20, made more Muslim friends and some Arab friends and some Palestinian friends. And I just ended up um, having more and more Palestinian friends online. And then ended up going to uh, Jerusalem and the West Bank in 2010, and then Gaza for the first time in uh, 2012. Just, just and, before you, and then when you were reading the John Pilger books what was it that shook you or what was it that made you want to get involved you know it, 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 it was just this um anecdote of i think it would have been during the first intifada i'm not 100 sure but an israeli sniper executing a palestinian mother walking down the street yes. um and secondary to that the image 
captured in the same story how even the the red cross wasn't safe from the israelis force and for me that was a kind of a a, a benchmark of the brutality and qualitatively shocking um you know there's a lot of thing you know there's a lot lot to say in a sense about that because you know the way the uk and us have acted in iraq and afghanistan and libya and the rest of it is often qualitatively shocking as well but and sometimes the israelis take it further and this is i think one of the cases where they do take it further the complete uh lack of respect for paramedics journalists etc the israelis often exceed the brutality of the world's policemen the us and the uk puppet so you know we we have to contextualize it realistically in this context but the israelis really are pretty wild when it comes to their use of force they're they're way off the pitch they have lost the plot uh, completely lost the plot and the idea that it's going to be some kind of uh, internal pressure or reformation that's going to um you know put an end to the palestinian situation from the israeli side from the israeli uh, society is obviously a pipe dream um because the situation can only be sustained with a level of propagandizing there in israel which is sadly kind of cultish in a way so um it became clear to me that this is something which the voice has to be raised on um yeah. you know as a matter of conscience so you went to gaza at the age of 21 was it did, yeah could anything of prepared you for what you actually saw wow that's a good question yeah i think it's 21 22 i'm not sure um well to be very honest young to be main... to do something like that it is right. pretty it's young fantastic. i mean these days i'm in my 30s it's basically i would 21 22 still a child basically yes um i mean to be honest one of the things that struck me the most which for me cuts quite deeply was that i traveled in from egypt you know it was it was the time of um morsi and some liberalization of the rafa crossing from egypt into gaza and the fact that actually apart from a change in culture dialect and kind of uh, vibe the architecture was very similar from the egyptian side of the border rafa egyptian rafa to the palestinian side palestinian rafa and actually for the first 5 minutes of driving in with a friend of mine you know in the taxi to gaza city i was struck by how actually it felt just like egypt um you know it's a naive commentary in a sense because when you cross between countries in the EU um you do see them each change in architecture between two countries right but in this context you didn't and for me that spoke to the issue which is actually wow this isn't going to be as um uh, as perhaps i don't know how to put that well but let's say as fairy tale as i had projected in my imagination that is to say that actually you know in a sense you know Palestine isn't that far removed or different from Egypt and actually that adds to the tragedy of it because you know in a sense it's just a piece of territory which the world is picking on if that makes any sense and I'm not sure if I've communicated myself clearly there but actually the fact that it suddenly didn't feel radically different actually spoke to me to the kind of banality of evil of it that you can travel 50 meters and now you can be droned at any moment whereas 50 meters back there was a different relative safety Yeah. Well, that speaks to the banality of evil that you were talking about Harry and I didn't want to cut in before but when you talk about that next level of barbarity and, and you know the Israelis are very practiced in it and they've created their own strategy what they call it the, the Dahia doc- doctrine which is you know mm-hmm. such a level of asymmetric warfare as to devastate you know civilian infrastructure mm-hmm. to make 
nothing usable. And we've seen it most recently in Gaza as to, you know, just the complete devastation and the massive amount of homelessness. I mean, Richard Falk, who's a renowned international jurist, calls the Dahiya Doctrine state terrorism. Unfortunately, and you're, you're absolutely true, Israel's not the only country that does it. You know, the United States did it in Libya and, you know, Fallujah, Iraq, and spent $2,000 billion, $2 trillion in Afghanistan to take a developing country back to the Stone Age. I mean, they could have paved the streets with gold and bought democracy much cheaper. Exactly. And the, the moral of that is, you know, certain cultures and ideologies, they basically are averse to peace. Um, <laughs> they're, they're averse to equality. They're averse to security. Um, and, I, you know, speaking of what could have been done with the money that's been spent on the Afghanistan occupation, and the Israelis are the same, but in a sense, the Israeli case, it's even more perverse because there are so many bridges that could be built to have peace. Uh, and often they're staring, uh, you know, the Israeli administration's right in the face, um, but instead they choose to assassinate the Palestinian leaders who they could make peace with and etc. So in that sense, again, everything's boiled up to boiling point in the so-called Holy Land. Everything is, it becomes the microcosm of so many injustices and, you know, so much conflict in the world in a tiny area that you can traverse in a few hours, you know. And you're right, you know, the, you talk about architecture traveling through Europe. The reality is traveling through the Arab world it's a single language, a single culture. There's, there's nuances and subtleties between moving between the Gulf and, you know, the, the Hashemite areas through to the Levant. But intrinsically, the one people, one culture, one land. It's that settler colonialist racist ideology, you know, divide and conquer that sees the Arab world bogged down in the quagmire it is today and the imposition of a Jewish state on Palestinians in '48. Harry, when you came to Australia, you toured... And you were speaking about mental health in particular, about the Gazans and the challenges the, the Palestinians in Gaza were, were having. Have you got contacts still into Gaza? What's your read on the situation at the moment? Yeah, uh, the, the latest film I made was in 2019, uh, released then about, you know, the ongoing war trauma in Gaza. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to work out that the mental health situation there isn't great. Um, you know, why, how, how could it be, I think is the, is the best way to put it. Um, and it's a completely traumatogenic environment to, to be there even for a day can, can breed trauma in you. Um, even if it's outside of war, it's a suffocating place. It's an experiment lab in human suffering. It's an experiment lab in siege and it's an experiment lab for weapons. Um, and the reason why I made the film, which in a sense has a such obvious uh, thesis, which is, you know, what's mental health like in a war zone, not great, stupid, um, is because I felt that actually often people feel uncomfortable to talk about it because actually the situation is so bad at that level. Um, that it breeds nothing but hopelessness. And I didn't want the Israelis to allow that to be forsaken because it allows them off the hook for a level of torture of the Palestinian society in, in Gaza that they are doing and exacting, I believe, quite deliberately and at least knowingly. Um, and if it's you're absolutely in Gaza... It's calculated. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and if you're in Gaza, you're not going to talk about it. You're not going to lament it because... Mm -hmm. You've got to worry about your own mental health and your own spiritual health. Um, but if you have the luxury to leave, I think it is worth saying that the Israelis are operating on a deep level of 
deliberate evil really here in trying to break the will and the spirit and the the mental health of this population um and i felt that it was important to ensure that that is delineated on the historical record and that that is not overlooked because i think it does show um the the willful barbarity extends to every level there of israel's control it is not incidental as they often try to portray we're speaking to harry fear journalist filmmaker and activist we'll put a link to that video gaza still alive that documentary uh, in the podcast so make sure you go there enjoy the next song in an featuring shab jadid this is a song chosen by harry it's a new song a very recent song it's become almost an anthem for a new generation for the revolution and it revolves around jerusalem and gaza enjoy in an شبين في المحنة الله بشهد مين احنا رجالة ضمن طرطش لك بنضرب حرب الليلة ما بنغلب بدك شبال وعادي من هدلك مرحب فيك في ولاد القدس من دبر حالنا نحل اللغز رنات على نفحة وكل بخش واكشفنا وياما وكل بصف ولا مرة نخاف ولا مرة ونص بدك بركان بنفقع بوف نعمل لك حفلة خش تنط نستخدم مال بس بدنا نقص ما هو كله عارف ما هو كله شايف ما هو كله خايف والدنيا ترص استجدع دايما ووعك بوحش انا ادرينالين فاجع بشباب بينضرب الغاز احنا الجدعان مش زي رد بالك عم تعيشها بلاش سوي واعمل واجمع كاش ما الدنيا صعيبه وبدها سلام سيبك من روح بحضر لك جاي انا قرش انا قرش انا قرش انا سمكه وصحابي ملان في الجلمه نشنع نعمل غلبه تجينا يا خالي مناخد العتبه تخوف بالليل نضويلك عتمه بس شوف تنساش انا زي النوس ليه فتاك في بغز رجال تحفر انفاق ترجع بشوال وملانا شلاء بلاجين 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 بالجدع انا انا فاتح دكان من بيع شلسات والدم مسموح بس للسبع مفتوح وفريد من نوع كمين المخا كس اخت كل مين باع واختفى صدوا الوقت ولا عمره ارتخى يكتم سر دير نفط ورادار هلسات على طول بيعرفكو شوق دبور على طول وبيقول واو ان ان قد انا اوانو بوم بخ وطن بيع مزانو كيف بس عب صوت وسولاد والشال حط كله طرح بمكانو ان ان قد انا اوانو بوم بخ وطن بيع مزانو كيف بس عب صوت وسولاد والشال حط كله طرح بمكانو
hope you enjoyed that. Now back to Harry Fear. Harry, you're a, a wonderful example of what privilege can afford someone, you know, the opportunity to see the world and change what should be or could be their outlook from a public school in the UK to, you know, a humanist as you are. You spoke about, I, we call them peppers, as you know, progressive, except for Palestine, but time-wasting centrists. I love that, time-wasting centrists. What's the mood like in the UK now with Boris Johnson gone? Is Corbyn coming back? And what about the movement in the UK uh, in general? Yeah, as, as we're recording this, it's a kind of um, febrile time in the UK because another set of ministers have resigned from the British Trump cabinet. Um, and, you know, every week goes by, everyone's asking themselves, surely it's over for him now. Um, certainly a new watermark has been reached in the Boris uh, Johnson administration because he's recently covered up over the last fortnight for um, alleged sexual assault and then forgot that he had been told about it when he promoted someone to a welfare safeguarding discipline role within the UK Conservative Party who had had allegations of sexual assault put forward and investigated and for which the man accused apologised but was then still promoted to a welfare position. So quite an extraordinary covering up for <laughs> sexual abuse. Um, so we're, we're living with this kind of ongoing nightmare, which is Boris Johnson. Um, however, I think it, he is very much Trump um, in the sense that, you know, you get a lot of hot air, a lot of political drama. But actually, if you replace him with someone else, are you going to get policies that are that much worse? So he is very much a kind of parallel in that sense. But he games the system very well. He games the media well. That's his main role is to just gain power for the Conservative Party for as long as possible. And the media are just supine and just go along with it to a large extent. Um, so, you know, we knew he was a liar. We knew he was a pretty pathological liar, philanderer, before he became prime minister. But because he served the interests of the establishment and the Tory party to ensure that Corbyn was blocked for a generation, they went along with him. But now we're paying the debt for that choice because... Surprise, surprise, he lies, he does rebriefing material, and basically he has just allowed a complete degeneration in uh, public services and in our public standards. So we have paid a big price for that. Talking of Corbyn, 2019, the election defeat in the winter with Corbyn being yeah, pretty roundly uh, rejected in a sense by the electorate was a heartbreak moment for those of us who had invested in the hope that he presented. Um, it took me, I think, six months to get over the kind of trauma um, of him having been defeated. You know, and he was defeated um, certainly by, you know, um, dark tactics, if not dark forces. The Americans said, we won't allow Corbyn to win. The Israelis said, um, Corbyn must not be allowed to win. And Corbyn someone that wanted to have a human rights-led foreign policy. You can only but imagine that most countries in the world didn't want free trade and human rights-led foreign policy from the UK. And therefore, you had the Saudis, you had the Israelis, you had the Americans, a all against Corbyn. So no doubt there were dark forces uh, at play which blocked him. And, you know, just where I live in the east of England, um, there were signs up at roundabout saying Corbyn isn't safe with your children. Corbyn, uh, your, your children are not safe with a Corbyn with Corbyn as prime minister, no. uh, you know, implying that he's, uh, you know, some kind of child molester. So there were dirty tactics. Um, and, you know, 
I think I've, you know, I've implied clearly why he was blocked, because he represented a change that the powers that be do not want to see uh, fruited. You know, we would have ended up like, you know, Venezuela. Um, setting an example of a social uh, democracy uh, that would be seen to flourish um, and would have a human rights-led foreign policy. And that isn't allowed by the existing uh, world order and the world's policemen. Um, and that's why he was, he was cruelly blocked. It took us six months to get over it here too, Harry, if it's any consolation. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the thing you, you left out is that concoction that this, this honourable humanist was in some way an anti-Semite is just beggars beggars belief yeah and you know it's a bit like they say with you know ukraine war that putin has to be seen to fail it was the same um uh, modus operandi with corbyn corbyn had to be seen to fail his supporters had to be demoralized they had to be ejected from the labor party in the 18 months that followed and that has been you know missioned very successfully by Keir Starmer who is one of these time-wasting centrists I mean a lot of people on Twitter you know they you know ask is this guy a plant because he basically his main um, objective seemed to be to basically destroy Corbyn even after Corbyn had gone by you know the Labour Party's uh, you know lost millions um, you know tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people ejected from the party Corbynism basically destroyed buried you know burnt alive so um to be honest with you, there is a parallel with par with Palestine here, which is that, and with the Israeli occupation of Gaza, the great power, when it wants to block something, when it wants to block resistance, when it wants to block hope, it, not, it doesn't play fair. It will rub in the dirt the face of hope in order to try to get those that could rise up into a state of learned helplessness. And the film, the documentary, GazaStillAlive.com, talks about this, raises this, explains this in the Gaza context. And it's the same. It's the same, it's the same philosophy. The Corbyn supporters were meant to be put into a state of learned helplessness. And quite honestly, uh, it's a success. You know, I have a friend of mine um, that I used to work with at RT. He's, he's left media and he's now retraining to work in adult social care because he just doesn't see that there's any symmetric route to progressive hope in the uk the only option is asymmetric so he wants to help people directly rather than through politics i, I saw um harry that you did a um a media forum you know a little while back and you were talking about how you know everyone is biased you're either aware of it or you're not uh humanizing stories rather than the numbers do you think there's a massive difference or in your opinion or your experience, there's a massive difference when writing about Israel compared to anyone else? I think there is because there's so much psychodrama and there are so many, you know, hidden rules about what you can and can't say from various different angles. Um, so it is, it is a complete super polarizing uh, psychodrama in a way. And actually just trying to do things, you know, humanistically, is, di is difficult often, I think. Um, it depends who the audience is. It depends what the platform is. But how many free places are there to talk about Palestine? You know, your podcast is one, but <laughs> there aren't that many, uh, you know. So uh, that those are the rules of the game. You know, free speech on Palestine broadly doesn't exist. It's only on the margins. Yeah, and we've said um, a few times to, to our listeners that, you know, if a Palestinian is killed, they'll always use the word terrorist in front of it and not name them. They'll just say a Palestinian. Uh, and if an Israeli is killed, they say it's a loving father of four and they'll say the four kids' names and they'll, you know, go along with it. 
and it's all the subliminal messaging that can turn people to be a you know a, a subconscious racist against Palestine, and it hasn't overly changed, has it? It hasn't changed. I would say it's got worse. And the problem is that when you give the Israelis an inch, they'll take a mile and they'll push it further. And I think with the killing of Shireen Abu Ahla, we saw that the Israelis, if you give them the you know uh, embassy move to Jerusalem, they'll take a mile. They'll just start killing uh, well-known journalists. Um, with impunity, with really no rebuke, um, they'll colonize more, they'll increase the barbarity of the occupation, they'll increase the matrix of control, they'll increase arbitrary detention, um, they will further persecute free speech, they will further persecute the BDS, the boycott movement, all of these things. Um, however, we have to look at it from, a, uh, from a, you know, what, what, what is the way, you know, we, we can't quantify um success here based on uh you know the ability to push back the israelis because the 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 the, the dynamic of power and control is asymmetric doesn't even begin to counter it's off the scales the scales won't even measure so you can't quantify success pushback against the israelis in a symmetrical way it's about the effort of resistance against the evil that matters. It's not about the success in that resistance. And that is to say that we have to maintain at some level a degree of, of deliberate hope, even though empirically things are hopeless. Empirically with time, the Israelis colonize more, kill more, and get away with more. Um, but it isn't healthy to meditate on that. We have to meditate on, on maintaining resistance at all costs. And by resistance, I mean the clear-eyed focus about what's happening is wrong, the clear-eyed focus that human rights are universal, that humanist values are universal and should be applied to this. Um, and, and so I think it's important the Israelis do have increasing power. Um, you know, social media and platforms are increasingly controlled. The media is ever subservient to Israeli narratives and language games. However, more and more people are awake more and more people do understand the true dynamic of the Palestinian injustice. Um, and there is hope from all of those kind of asymmetric, non-traditional forces. So we have to meditate on that equally. Well, I was just going to ask before too, but I got sidetracked, the Palestine action and the Elbit work, uh, that's getting a bit of traction over in the UK. Are people talking about that? Is it making a bit of a difference? Uh, it is uh, it is gaining traction. It is meaningful. It is meaningful um, civil disobedience and resistance. Um, extraordinarily, um, in the cases of these UK activists, in a recent case, I believe it was in February, but I'll probably be wrong on that, sometime earlier this year, the judge actually let them go because he believed in their defence um, that they were preventing a greater evil by preventing arms exports to Israel. Um, so this is quite extraordinary, actually. But of course, you know, this isn't going to this isn't going to uh, you know gain traction in any traditional sense. Um, because if it were to gain traction in the traditional sense, it would pose a threat. And so the mainstream media will, of course, block any real reporting of any successes, um, because to do so. Uh, Keep, keeps the status quo and, and serves the Israeli Israeli interest. Um, so, 
uh, we don't see headline news about these activists being acquitted. We don't see headline news about them blocking roads, shutting down arms factories. You have to go onto Twitter. Um, but do they have momentum? Yes, clearly. Are they empowered? Yes, clearly. Are they making a difference? Yes, obviously, materially they are. Um, and again, that's just another perfect example of the things to put this asymmetric hope into, I think. We haven't got much time to go, Harry. Um, what, what are you doing at the moment? What's, what's your current work taking you? Well, to be honest with you, I left RT uh, just before the pandemic started and planned to first travel to Sudan to make a documentary there. But unfortunately, I was grounded by COVID. Um, and it's only really this year in 2022 that I have, for various personal and familial health reasons, uh, come out of COVID. Um, so my plans for uh, this next 12 months is actually to, to do a series of interviews about uh, what I'm calling this asymmetric hope in the face of hopeless causes, um, because I think it's a really important uh, yeah. way of engaging with issues and, and looking at the world. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's timely. Um, so that's my main media project at this time. Fantastic. Hey, well, when you get it up and uh, going, we'd love to have you back on to discuss it further and promote it. We'll put a link in the podcast to your movie. It is gazastillalive.com, gazastillalive.com. So make sure you go along to that and we'll put your website, Harry. Is that still live? It is indeed, harryfear.com. And if you do want to support that project on Asymmetric Hope, you can click support uh, and that will very much allow me to fulfill that project. Fantastic. Fantastic. Beautiful. We'll put a link to Harry's personal website as well as that film. And fantastic to have you on, Harry. We look forward to having you on again. Thank you very much indeed, guys. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Be sure to share the podcast. And remember, there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.